He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, joined by Stephen Brown, and we should have recorded this podcast last night, but uh, <laughs> I fell asleep when I got home from the chiropractor. It wasn't the, uh, I thought you said massage therapist. Yeah, well, it, That's so the same thing, I guess. Well, we, I go there, and uh, I get readjusted, and like, like for example, like, oh, like, what? Like they're like, they'll say like, what hurts? Or like, what do you, what feels weird? And like when I, I've been recently going on jogs a lot lately, a lot more since it's sunny and nice out. And I noticed like it was a kill in my lower back. And uh, so he went and popped like, I don't know what the heck this dude popped in like my lower back and like my hips. But like, I feel like my legs are now the same length, which is a weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> I was like, he's like, this, oh. this isn't the kind of like Robert Kraft massage. I don't know. I don't believe so. No, no. Okay. But, uh, and then like I go to the massage therapist and um, did all that work and I got home and I was like, I, I even texted you guys like, Hey, look at the doc beforehand. So we can actually <laughs> podcast. And then I was, I was like sitting there watching the wizards, Russell Westbrook and against Trey young, and the Hawks. And next thing I know, it's 11 o'clock at night. And I got like 13 texts, half of them from you guys. Like, Tommy, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to get on this podcast? Like shit. So my bad. <laughs> I felt really That's right. I just chilled. I don't yeah. know what Jack was doing. Jack was on there longer than I was. Yeah. Jack said he was hanging out with his dog. He didn't care. I was like, okay, well that's, that's good. But, um, you know, some new, new stuff's coming out for movies. Jack suggested we talk about this. So I figured we could uh, the, the Matt Damon Stillwater movie. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you said you saw the trailer. It, it, does it look good? Well, someone sent me the trailer like, oh, my God, it's it's that movie from Oklahoma. They've been making for like a year or whatever. <laughs> I was like, OK, let's let's try it out. And I thought it was going to be Transformers because I saw Matt Damon and a goatee. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm in Transformers, Oklahoma. We'll give it a shot. And all of a sudden it turns into Taken. It looks like taken all over again. It's like daughter goes off overseas. Something happens. Now she's in trouble, but I guess she's in trouble with the law. Not really uh, like a cartel thing, but sounds like Oklahoma to me. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much Oklahoma. I, I don't know exactly where she went. Is it Matt looked, Damon have a goatee? Uh, Mediterranean. Oh, yeah. It's pretty righteous goatee, too. I actually shaved today and I was like, I wonder if I should just see what a goatee looks like. And then immediately I was like, no, I'm not going to do that to myself. <laughs> You know, doesn't Oklahoma have the highest rate of incarcerated <clears throat> women per capita in the U.S.? Probably the highest rate of goatees per capita as well. So they got Stillwater right on then. Pretty much. That's good. You, did you, did you, I saw this on Twitter. Maybe you saw it. Did you know that Legends of the Hidden Temple is coming back? The game show or is it a movie? It's a game it's show. It's not on the template or what? Yeah. The itinerary that we have and i was like oh i wonder if they're coming out like a movie like they did with some others like jumanji 
it's it's coming back. It's a game show, and it's only for adults only. No more children. So I wonder, like, what Perfect. kind of things they're gonna have to do. So I need know. I need injury risk for a game show. Yeah, because Wipeout you... almost hated had it, but it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know some of it's faked. Did you have a favorite team growing up for Legends of the Hidden Temple? Mm, I like the coat. Was it the Cobras or the Vipers? The Purple There's Cobras? Sort of yeah, that's yeah, what it was. It. I, or no, was the Purple Cobras? Well, that, that's right. I don't know. Isn't the Purple Cobras the dodgeball team for what's-his-face from <laughs> Globo Gym? No, it's the Silver Snakes. That's what it is. The Silver Snakes. Yeah, the Purple Cobras. I'm thinking that's the dodgeball one. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, right? Uh, I like enough. the I Purple Parrots. Oh yeah, the Purple Parrots. I like the I like the Blue Barracudas and the Green Monkeys. Those are fun. Yeah, the Blue Barracudas is always fun to say. I didn't know what a Barracuda was until I was an adult. Could barely say it when I was like five. That's true. I watched a. Uh, are you a fan of so Korea, right? They have K-pop and now there's like K-dramas. I'm not a I don't listen to K-pop, but there's a couple of couple movies and of course the most famous K-drama of all time right now, uh, especially in the United States, I guess, is Parasite. I recently just watched it for the first time. Have you oh, seen yeah. it? Yeah. I have not. I know it's on Hulu. Holy Everyone's like you have to watch freaking it. Freaking crap, dude. It's important. You need to watch that show or that movie. I like you spend the first 30 minutes of this movie trying to figuring out, oh, this is where this movie's heading. And then the last hour and 45 takes a complete like several left and right turns. Really? Yeah. Blow. It blew my mind. There's a there's a lot of metaphors at at hand, too. It's really good. But if you can't read, um, you know, because they're subtitles, not the movie for you. Not, (laughs) Not saying for you, but like. This is our listeners. If you're not a fan of reading, um, not not good. Not Most good. of our listeners probably can read. They can, they can, but for those probably that prefer, literate. prefer not to, it's not maybe a movie you would want to check out. But hey, ninety percent of communication is not even the what you speak; it's the tone and body language. So you could still watch it and just try to figure it out on your own. Sure, true. But I guess we could talk about football and a little bit of basketball recruiting, but also football recruiting. Um, but one of the first things I want to talk about is regarding Oklahoma's defense, because I saw a really interesting post on Twitter the other day and, uh, some guy tweeted that like, Hey, how did Oklahoma like blow this? It was basically Kyler Murray, CD lamb, pretty much all these dudes that are amazing on offense. How do they not win a national title or even get to the national title game? And, uh, there's an easy answer for that. Of course. Well, we know the answer. And so, over the last two seasons, though, with Alex Grinch, he Alex Grinch takes Mike's Mike Stoops players and actually provides a top fifty SMP defense, and then nearly a top twenty five. Was it top twenty five this past year? I think so. If not, even just really, outside. Like if not, outside. it was really close. Yeah, and to, took Mike Stoops players again and making it a great defense and, and not not just average but above average for more than formidable to win the conference and several. Uh, tops in the conferences, tops in the conference in several uh, statistics and categories. And so um, my question, I guess, is has Oklahoma officially turned the tide of this narrative of their defensive shortcomings, or do we still have to see what happens over the next two years? I definitely don't think they've turned that narrative just because 
and it's nothing against Alex Grinch. I think his success uh, should be noticed nationally, but for the longest time, Oklahoma's kind of made its brand on playing high-powered offense and just trash-ass defense, and that's almost for a whole decade. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna have to be more than two seasons, three seasons before this starts to turn around and the, the talking points go towards okay, Oklahoma is a legitimate uh, contender nationally. Do you think that? So let's say Oklahoma, they have a similar defensive output this year, <clears throat> somewhere around the top 25, top 30 defensive SP. Do you think that the committee, if Oklahoma has one loss, would no doubt, no brainer put Oklahoma in on in the cultural playoff? Because remember, with Kyler Murray, that defense was god awful, but they said, like, they came out and said, oh, well, but their offense is stupid, amazing. So they put Oklahoma in, in the top four anyways. Do you think Oklahoma now for the cultural playoff, knowing that their defense has been more than formidable, would be a shoe in and not no second thoughts about that, I suppose? I think in that regard, yes. But, you know, you look at like the ESPN talking heads, they're always mm-hmm. going to argue against OU becoming a, a playoff contender just because of that defensive narrative. But um, as we've seen with the committee, it's more about the sticker on your helmet. And if, you know, the stats are there too, that's good. But um, I think Oklahoma with a legitimate defense, um, even a halfway defense will always be a shoe in. How, how many years of consistent, competent defense will Oklahoma have to have before that narrative of Oklahoma's not good on defense with Lincoln Riley at the helm on offense is over? I don't think it's a matter of like years. They have to win a playoff game and they have to do it convincingly. They have to look the part of being that national title contender, um, both on the offense and the defensive side before that narrative changes. When do you think that changes then? Could change this year, potentially, depending on if they can keep this team from pistol whipping people all over the place. Right. Would you say it would, Let's say Oklahoma, because they they're going to have the ability to score on their opponents like at will this year, a pending injury, of course. And it's it reminds me kind of like a 2008 that they're going to have a lot of really really good positional players. They should have the trenches kind of figured out, and they're going to have a good defense. But they're going to get so many damn possessions that they're going to give the other team possessions and more chances to score. Do you think that's going to any in any way put a stain on what the defense is going to be able to accomplish this year, knowing that you'll have twos and maybe sometimes threes in the games? I don't think so, because I'm not sure the offense is going to be as high powered. I think it's been more methodical at points than it was last season, because uh, you look at Spencer Rattler and this being his first full off season to really understand the offense, go through the motions um, as well as being the guy at the helm. So, um, I think at times they'll be able to lean a little bit more on some more plays rather than just, you know, doing the leak play to, to Mims and calling it good. I think uh, this offense will change up um, speeds. They can be more methodical. They can strike when they want to. And I think that will help out the defense as well. And talking about defenses, I mean, because Oklahoma in the Big 12, like the Big 12 is it starting to become a defensive conference because prior to this, right, you look at, who, who are the good defensive teams in the Big 12? 
before uh, Baylor played with Matt Baylor. Rule. They were Texas, great. Texas was okay. Guys. Iowa State has been pretty good. And Kansas T- State T- kind T- of. TCU, we're missing TCU. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. And now with Oklahoma kind of getting on board <laughs> with playing competent defense, do you think Oklahoma's kind of shifting gears into not as much high-powered scoring, tons and tons and tons of scoring conference, but now it's becoming more balanced? Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing for the conference? They needed to dial it back. I think the thing is you don't have to change your offense to really play decent defense. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yes, you are going to have more opportunities scoring, and that in turn gives your leaves your defense on the field more, but – um, I think it's a good thing that there's more defensive-minded coaches in the in the Big 12 than there was five years ago. Do you think that changes the perception of the conference? Because I think not really. It, I don't. I, I really don't think it does because I think people just see what they see in the bowl games. I think people will see oh, Oklahoma gave up 66 to LSU, you know, and so I think they have to do on the national stage because nobody's paying attention in interconference unless it's somebody that covers the Big 12. So I kind of agree with you that Oklahoma in order to change their narrative for the big 12 in order, in order to change this narrative, they don't play defense. They'll have to do really well on the national stage. And, you know, Oklahoma's Oklahoma and the big 12, they've been getting in a lot of good and great defensive coaches and looking at the sec, they're not really changing styles of defense. They kind of are, um, but they are definitely changing styles on offense. And so they're going to have to maneuver to how to play defense and, I imagine that there's going to be a lot of coaches in the SEC kind of looking at what the Big 12 has done as far as like, hey, how do we defend this spread that has now come over to the SEC? Now that Alabama's running the spread, pretty much everybody else in the SEC is going to start running the spread as well if, if they already haven't. So do you see that a changing of body types in the SEC on defense could rule out certain body types of athletes later on in the future? Probably not at the top three schools because those athletes are just incredibly talented. Um, but you know, the lower and the mid mid tier schools, I think so. I think they go towards a different style. Um, you know, they go towards maybe what Oklahoma is trying to go for right now is long, fast, maybe not, you know, the most, uh, experienced football players, but it's the athlete that they can make into a football player. Do you think that, because you've seen Oklahoma's kind of H backs, you've seen Dimitri Flowers, Jeremiah Hall, G- Mikey Henderson is going to be a, a guy. I've been thinking about this. Ripkowski would not survive in a Lincoln Riley offense, right? Uh, he'd have a role, but it would not be what the the H back at Oklahoma role would be. It would be more like goal line maybe some pass pro, something like that. It would be, uh, it'd be limited, but it would, it would be there. And Trey Miller, do you think Trey Miller would have because of his body type and like maybe lack of, I guess, side to side motion. He's a powerhouse. He's huge. No doubt. Right. Do you think he would have a different role in the offense with Lincoln Riley than he would, he did under Josh Heupel? Yeah, I think it'd be more towards the Ripkowski because, I mean, Millard was a good receiver, but he wasn't the uh, the route runner 
that Dimitri Flowers was. Dimitri Flowers was like the the jack of all trades. And one of the best aspects of him was that he could run a good route and he knew how to read um, linebackers, safeties, and get himself open. And I just don't know if uh, Millard is that type of athlete. Yeah, I, I was thinking about his lateral quickness and I was like, man, he, of course, had a lot of great plays at OU. He was OU's best player in 2013, which is yikes uh, for, for a lot of reasons as a fullback and it's funny to call him a fullback, you know, he would be an H back at OU. And I'm thinking like, man, like he, he would kind of remind me of what a Braden Willis, I guess would do. Right. Maybe a little bit. I think Willis is more adept as a pass catcher. That's interesting. Yeah. I just think it's so, and do you think like all this changing of styles and changing of ways teams are playing, I guess, offense and really kind of countering with any sort of, athletes on defense do you think this is an ongoing cycle or do you think this all ends at the spread until we get on to the next kind of thing it's a cycle it's a cycle one team's going to figure out a formula to make that system work eventually another team's going to look at that as like hey let's try that as well um, right now the spread's the big thing because people know how to recruit for it people know how to run it um, it's a little bit uh, I mean the NFL is moving towards it as well so you, there's a future there for the spread, but at the same time, some teams going to come out and maybe they'll run the eye and they run it really, really well. And three other teams will take it the next season. So um, schemes, you know, they just always rotate every 10 years or so. So I don't think anything's ever goes away. What happens first? And this is before we go to a break. What happens first? OU goes to the big 10 or the PAC 12 officially dissolves. I would say OU goes to the Big Ten because the Pac-12 had some news today. I think they uh, they hired yeah. a new guy, so maybe there's a future there for the Pac-12 that there wasn't a few months ago. So I'll, you, I'll go with the Big Ten. How do you feel about this new commissioner? It seems like entertainment and gambling is going to be highlighted in the, the new scheme of the, uh, the Pac-12. That's unfortunate. Which sports gambling is already like an all-time high right now. So Right. Man, do you want OU to go to the Big Ten? Kind of. Kind of. I just – the Big 12 just doesn't seem to ever ever get out of its own way. Even when it's doing well, it always stumbles at some point. And uh, money-wise, it's decent. It's not what the Big Ten gets. It's not what the SEC gets. So Oklahoma could do a lot better than the Big 12. What's more likely, Oklahoma ends up in the Big Ten or the SEC, or the Big 12 just stays intact on the ad teams? Uh, politically, probably they just stay put in the Big 12 because they aren't – I think they're pretty much tied to OSU, and, and uh, not many conferences are begging for OSU right now. <laughs> oh, man. Which is weird. You think it's weird? It, it's – it's weird that they would tie the two schools together so well. Oh, I mean, I, I could I see agree. them both succeeding in, in separate conferences, and then you have an out of conference game each year. So, like, let's say Oklahoma goes to the Big Ten. You don't think uh, the Big Ten will win OSU? Uh, they might. I mean, it's a good school. They wanted Rutgers. It fits the yeah. It fits the academics, but I mean, it's not a huge money bringer on the on the field. That's true. 
and and like I think like you said, it's kind of political as far even in the state. I think there would be a lot of upheaval in the state if Oklahoma, of course, if the Big Twelve decided to dissolve and Oklahoma tried to part ways with with Oklahoma State. I mean, that was one of the things that when all this originally started with realignment, like a while back, the SEC wanted OU but not OSU, and then how much of a phone call away Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Texas were to joining the Pac-12 now a while right. ago. I'm thinking, thank God, no 9, 8, 9 p.m. kickoffs. That sounds terrible. But I think if they had to, if OU and OSU split conferences, I think it would be fine for each one, and they could do the, just do the out-of-conference bedlam game. I think it would be fine, too. In some ways, it would be better because if OSU becomes a contender, let's just say they go to the Pac-12, that that game becomes so much better. Yeah. Also, I don't care what happens to OSU. So, I mean, you know. True. (laughs) They're they're, they're all right. They're all right. But anyways, we're going to go to a break for our sponsors, people that, you know, pay us money to actually podcast. And then we'll come back. We're going to talk about Oklahoma football getting a couple nice recruits and then OU basketball. They also got a Juco transfer commit today. And then maybe they're in on another guy and kind of ranking some fan bases in the big 12, because there are some terrible fan bases. So we'll come back to you guys right in a sec. All right. And we're back. So before we even begin to get into some recruiting, of course, OU got the recruit uh, commitments, excuse me, of Jaden Rowe from Tulsa Union and from Kip Lewis. Kip reminds me of uh, Napoleon oh, Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Why? Why could I? I was thinking for some reason I was thinking the uh, the other movie with Andy Samberg when he's like a motorcyclist, but not really super, not super bad. What's that, what's that movie? <laughs> What is that movie? I don't watch much Andy Sandberg. Oh God, it's good. I do watch Superbad now. Superbad's great. It's a great movie. But before we get into that, and a movie's gonna hit me at some point in the podcast, I'm just gonna like. You mean just look it up real quick? Nah, nah. Just keep on going. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Hot Rod, Hot Rod. That's the one, man. But Oklahoma in the discord says he wants us to answer this question. Yeah. He gave us two said, you think animals can talk, but just want to hide it from us because they're in a secret society against us. And every time we leave, they find out all of our information. And the only reason we can never find who hacked us is because we live in our own home. So what, what are your thoughts on that question? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's not recruiting. So, I know, uh, but I somebody... think animals can kind of communicate, not not uh, well, but kind of. I don't know. And the, the dolphins, I guess, can communicate, so the, that's cool. The follow-up question was, "How do you think the Browns will do this year?" <laughs> um, I bet the Browns make the playoffs. You think? I think they will. The Steelers suck because I hate them. I'll I'll even give them a playoff game win. Wow, that's fun. I don't, I don't think dogs and cats will talk while while you're away. They have no concept of time from what I understand. So like two weeks, two hours doesn't mean anything to them. So I don't know. But we can get to recruiting. So tell me about Kip Lewis. He's six foot two, 200 pounds, linebacker, 
Will he play inside? Will he play outside? What do you think? Uh, he's definitely a will for me. I think uh, Kip Lewis has ample size. He's kind of the size of Deshaun White, so not uh, not a huge linebacker, but uh, enough to be a contender both in the running game. Um, and he's got the versatility and the athleticism, athleticism to play in the passing game. So um, they could kind of move him around a little bit as a as a coverage guy, but also he just has that tenacity and uh, willingness to be physical. Um, despite being a little bit undersized, I mean, 6'2", 200, you'd, you'd hope he's about 210, 215, but uh, he'll just grow his size. He might he might grow up to be, you know, six two and a half or something by the time he hits OU. So uh, it's a big get for them. I bet um, when it's all said and done, Kip Lewis is probably within the 250 rankings. Yeah, and he's a, he's a four, four-star prospect, and I think, you know, Again, just more kudos to Brian Odom and all the dudes that are on that staff. They're no longer recruiting like basically three stars that are fringe players that are that belong the D1 level, but aren't going to make, you know, high quality plays aren't going to be an issue on the field for opposing offenses, because for how many years in a row has Oklahoma been to the cultural playoff and you've seen just like incredible linebackers that are problematic for the opposed for Oklahoma's offense. You've seen several of those players and Oklahoma has yet to really had one of those. They had one in Kenneth Murray. And then he was taken out of the game, of course, just by, you know, the different teams, offensive schemes, but Kenneth Murray was like really the only freak. And now Oklahoma is getting in these guys like David Aguebu and you have, I like Shane, yeah, Brian Osamoa. I like Shane Witter and what he can do. Um, I like Deshaun White. He's always kind of there at the right time, but he's not necessarily a dynamic playmaker. And of course, you have Nick Benito, a bunch of dudes that are really dynamic athletes that can actually force the opposing offenses to account for them. And previously, that just was not the case. So kudos to Alex Grinch and Brian Odom and all his dudes really just working hard on the recruiting trail, getting Oklahoma's defense back on track. And then also another commitment, we talked about this and uh, Jaden Rowe defensive back from Tulsa union. And in the podcast I did, like, I think it was last week. I don't know. Maybe it was last week. I compared Jaden Rowe because he's so big and long in comparison to Trey Brown, the last defensive back they recruited from union. They said Trey Brown was like five foot 10 coming out of high school. Do you believe that? Yeah, he's about five ten. in cleats or out of cleats. Uh, I'll say out of cleats. Really? Yeah, I've walked past him before. He's about 5'10". That's surprising to me. I always thought he was a little bit smaller than that. But he was also a little bit bigger than Buki, so that's fair. Buki's like 5'9". To some of you fans, he's about 5'4". So. <laughs> In Dakota, Austin was... <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> Or 11. It's not his 40 time either. His 40 time. Oh, gosh. Do you remember Dakota Austin's 40 time? Was like, is it in the fives? It was after the linebackers and the linemen. It was not good. But was it above 4-8? Yes, I believe so. I was faster than Dakota Austin. Wow. Mike Stoops didn't recruit me. Should have. He should have. Where's Mike Stoops at again now? I think he's still at Alabama. Oh, no, 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 no. He's in Florida. He's in Florida. For, it was full Atlantic, right? Yeah. Okay. 
But yeah, Jaden Rowe, defensive back at Tulsa Union, long arms. We were talking about before the podcast. Kind of reminds us of Jordan Mukes as far as it's a really long athlete, uh, very fast. He, he, do you play track or just participate in track and field? Regardless, I participated, he, but some people play it. He's in track. The dude has speed. He's got length. His arms are long as hell. He's kind of a bit of a late bloomer, like you said before the podcast. Kind of an underrated guy. He's still a three-star guy. I believe he'll probably get a fourth star during the season. He's have he's having uh, schools like Arkansas, uh, Iowa State, and other schools like that on his case. Baylor schools that play some good defense, and I imagine as the year goes on, he'll get you know more traction and more edges at recruiting, especially since Oklahoma offered him and he committed to them. Uh, do you? see any other recruits on the horizon that might be trending Oklahoma's way, especially ahead of like the summer and hosting recruits if they're able to? There's nothing immediate. And that's just because visits are about to hit in a big way. So Oklahoma's has their, their big recruiting weekend with the champion barbecue. Every other power five program is going to pretty much have their own big events um, either around that time frame or a little shortly after. Um, so I think everything recruiting wise is at a standstill because I think both recruits want to go out and see schools, but also schools kind of want to, you know, pump the brakes and really grab because they haven't seen these guys in like a year or two, mm-hmm. pretty much. So um, they kind of want to see what they're recruiting before they really take a commitment at the moment, unless it's just like an elite guy and it's a no brainer. That's fair. I wonder if at the Champion Barbecue, if they've restricted Lincoln from cooking any brisket. <laughs> you think he has to, he has got the six feet apart from the grill? Yeah, six feet apart from the grill. Just the grill, though, not people. <laughs> you go, hey man, you know CDC new guidelines say pretty much. If you do, if you're vaccinated, you can pretty much do it <laughs> whatever now. I guess. someone got some brisket the other day, and it okay. it reminded me of. Uh, Lincoln's brisket is pretty it, dry. It's dry. It's like, like you're I don't want to batch boot. the restaurant though. Oh, but can you tell us particularly where this establishment is so I can avoid it? It's a it's an OKC. I think near Hefner. Mm, is it like a hole in the wall place or is it a well known establishment? Um, I don't know. I didn't order it. Okay. I wasn't. This is my first time trying it. I was just like, that's. Eh, it's not the best. Never again, then. It Never wasn't. Again. It wasn't Billy Sims. I'm not here to bash Billy. I was about Sims. to say, yeah. Well, I was like, well, probably not Billy Sims if it's dry so, as hell. If that rules it out, and it's not Swadley's because you know I'm trying to get that sponsorship. Yeah, Swadley's is great, man. I so, like Swadley's is fantastic. That should narrow it down. It's not a Vans, is it? No. Okay. If I, I think I think that's like the extensive knowledge of barbecue places that I have. If it was maybe Earl's. It wasn't Earl's. Okay. Well, that's okay. Maybe. All right. Well, who knows? Let's talk about some basketball stuff. I know you're not a basketball guy, but I got this question. Well, OKC tanks because next year, I don't believe it'll be a promising year for the Thunder. I don't think they'll be winning as many games as fans will want them to. Do you think you'll see increased attendance at OU basketball games? Because of that? Uh, not because of that. I think there'll just be an increased uh, 
fan base at the OU basketball games, just with a new coach, some new players coming in. Um, it's kind of an exciting time. You, can, you don't know what to expect. It could be really good, could be really bad. So I think the intrigue is there for the fan base. And OKC um, just needs to keep tanking, just, just tank the whole thing. How, how many years How many years longer do you want OKC to tank? If it takes 10 years, so be it. I don't even care anymore. So disappointed. Man, it happens, you know. It's only two more games left for this for this Oklahoma team. So Might buy a Dion Waiters jersey, custom yeah. made. You should. You Just should. remember the good times. Oklahoma, they did secure the commitment of a junior college guy, a Cole – I, I'm going to butcher this last name. It looks like Mawain, and I don't – I asked if it was kind of pronounced like <laughs> my my wang. <laughs> um, it might be Mawain. Who knows? A cool Mawain, Mawain from Navarro College. Interesting. He originally committed to Arkansas um, and then, of course, had to go the JUCO route. So he was really thought of that he was going to go back to Arkansas because Oklahoma has an assistant that they just got on board from Arkansas and he came to Oklahoma. And so now a Cole Mawine or Mawain is at Oklahoma. This dude's like six foot nine, six foot 10 ish. He's a bit of an athlete. He's got a handle. He's not a negative on defense. He likes to dunk the hell out of the ball. Really good get for Oklahoma. I think the number four overall Juco player from college basketball, which is that, that's that sounds pretty, good. That's pretty big get and the number one power forward in the Juco ranks. Uh, so I think Oklahoma have a really nice front court going forward into next year. Uh, they mean, last year you had what Brady Manick and uh, oh, who they play at center, Kirk Queth. Yeah, and you go from that to Tanner Groves, who averaged several points and rebounds and has an awesome hairdo with a headband and a Cole Mawine or Mawine, where he's also re- also real really athletic offensively and defensively gifted so you go from kind of like i don't know a mediocre front court to something that's like legit legit and having and then oklahoma is in on a ucf transfer because it looks like you know bryce thompson trey alexander those dudes oklahoma's not going to get those guys so oklahoma's in on a transfer uh ucf transfer brandon mahan who's a former a&m transfer so he's already been transferred before uh, he is a shooting guard at UCF, averaging 12 and 5 from 44% from three, 91% from the line. So that's a name to keep an eye on because if Oklahoma gets him right now, their starting lineup, I would guess, would be Goldwire for the guy from Duke, probably Mowine, um, or Goldwire from Duke, probably this UCF transfer. In Mayhan, he might be playing a three with Harkless at the at the two, and then Groves in Mawine at the four and five. So you might have just a totally new starting lineup of transfers, with the exception of Harkless, which is really interesting. Of course, you Mo Gibson's in there somewhere who he shoots threes and stuff like that. So the uh, yeah, should be fun. A lot of new faces and a lot of new things to learn. So I'm excited because Porter Moser's a great coach. And he is going to have them playing some intense defense. And that's all I really care about. Because also, the good news is this. Lon Kruger did not care about recruiting. I mean, let's be honest. They went all in on two guys. And they got one of them and basically left them out hanging a dry with other Juco transfers and stuff like that. 
under Porter Moser, that's not the recruiting philosophy. They have a long list of guys they want to recruit, and it's kind of like football. If they, if it's not working out, they can drop him and go to the next one. They're not going to build all their time into something that's just not working. So I'm glad to see Lon just retire, enjoy his retirement, hang out with his son in Las Vegas, just like the rest of the staff. That, Get some golf, man. Be with Bob. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, go hang out in Las Vegas with his kids and whatever. Uh, but I'm glad to see Porter Moser and all the other coaches that are getting in. He's he has acquired Porter Moser. People are underrating the staff. Like he's acquired quite a bit of a great staff and recruiters, guys that are like are there, there's like a three associate head coaches on this team already because they all are very competent, high, highly like highly motivated, energetic recruiters. I'm excited for Oklahoma basketball for the next few years to come. But the last thing we're going to talk about is ranking our top three best and worst fan bases in the big 12. So let's go with our top three best fan bases in the big 12, because I can imagine this one might be a little bit easy, but at the same time, I don't know. What's your number one. You said best. Yeah. Well, it's gotta be. Oh yeah. It's gotta be our listeners. That's true. Best and also, fans in the league. Also, you got to consider like on social media, Oklahoma's fans consistently large footprint num- number one in the nation as far large as footprint on Twitter. digital footprint. That is very true. So yeah, I'd go with Oklahoma number one too. Who is your second though? Best fan base in the big 12. Second best. This is kind of a toss up mm. and it's just from experience of like when these teams come to town, these fans are kind of cool to hang out with. So I'll go TCU. Okay. And, or you can kind of flip it. Iowa State. Ooh. Those are the two. Okay. I, Iowa State is my second one. Why Iowa State? They're just cool. Like, I, I'll sit next to them. We'll, we'll drink. We'll tailgate. Um, even when the game gets kind of chippy, we're just like, it's kind of like a friendly nod kind of thing. They, they just understand the sport well. Yeah. I, people from Iowa are generally pretty just like nice folks. <laughs> and so. The, like, yeah, it's competitive, but I'm not going to be like too much of an asshole. Of course, yes. And, you know, I, I've I've been to Norman a few times against Iowa State and the ones where OU lost and ones where OU, of course, won at the last second. And the fans were great. They, you know, buying us beers and stuff like that. They were wonderful. I, I love Iowa State fans. They're great. And, some, and the, especially once they're getting like a legitimate shot at being something worth talking about, which hadn't been the, uh, hadn't been the case, uh, not under um matt what's his face what's his last name campbell campbell I, i'm forgetting his name that wasn't the case under matt Cam- uh prior to matt campbell uh so that's cool i you know tcu i've never really interacted with that fan base i guess pretty cool uh nice ladies too that's fair that is fair west virginia for me has been a good fan base similar really? to yeah similar to iowa state honestly they're their tailgates are really friendly. Uh, they will offer you either drinks they have bought or the moonshine they have made. <laughs> have you and ever burned a couch with a West Virginian? <laughs> I have not, but I, I I would join in. That sounds like a lot of fun, burning a couch. So yeah, those are my those are my three because they were just really kind too. They expected to get their butts kicked, stuff like that, and just just here to have a good time and drink. But what are your three worst fan bases in the Big 12? I know two of them for sure of mine. I'm still kind of like iffy on the third. Uh, I think I got all three of mine. 
Okay. We'll go, uh, obviously, Texas is number one. Just a trash fan base. Just terrible people all around. Yes. No one cares about Texas people. Uh, number two, obviously, Texas Tech. Equally mm-hmm. as terrible. Mm-hmm. And they throw food at you. Yep. And they have, no, they have no idea what football is outside of, like, Pat Mahomes. That's true. And hating Baker Mayfield. It's true. True. Who's your third? Third, and they might actually take number one spot right here is Baylor. Ooh, Baylor's, why? Baylor's so bad. The way they uh, supported Art Bryles. Yeah. That whole catastrophe. That's it tough, was just, man. It was so cringy. That's tough. That's tough. I was going to say. And Waco, I mean. Yeah. Nothing good happens in Waco. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Just ask Parrish, Cobb. Oh, man. What's he? What do you, what do you think Parrish is doing right now? He's probably hanging out with Trajan Bridges. And- <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Jack's gonna text me and be like, "So, uh, gonna take that off." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Cool maybe. down the shots on the pod. Maybe, maybe though. Yikes! Ooh, it, didn't they do like? His story about Parrish and with his dad. Yeah, his dad like campaigned outside of uh, I think the Baylor, either the stadium or the athletic office to get uh, him out out of his his, yeah his LOI. And then, but no, I'm talking like like two or three days. I'm talking like after all that stuff with Parrish Cobb went down, he went to jail. Like they did, I think they did a story of him like being in his in Parrish's room. They showed like a teddy bear and stuff. That's kind of weird. It was weird. That's what I was thinking. That's why I brought it up. And no disrespect, teddy bears are cool, <laughs> but that's pretty weird, right? For like a robber, yeah. And because Parrish didn't come from like a disadvantaged neighborhood where you would need to rob somebody, right? Well, neither Trajan Bridges. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, felony charges are not good. Not good. For weed. Yeah, man. Where you can get a card. And I just... could go outside and just get secondhand smoke right now. It's that's true. How, that's how smoky Oklahoma's getting. I was pulling in to, like, and I, was, I wasn't pulling into my neighborhood, but I was going around the side city streets and so I passed a truck with their windows down at a stop sign. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the weeds. Yeah. I was like at uh have blinding. you ever been to up down the bar up down? I haven't up I haven't. in the, the plaza. Mm-mm. So they have like a small patio on the second floor. And we were out there the other there's like last weekend. And uh it was like I was just living in a cloud. Nice. Because like some dispensary guy and like all of his employees were out there just puffing away. I mean, Logie's has a sign on their doors that say to not smoke weed inside the establishment, please. That's just a suggestion. Yeah, they're more, it's more like a guideline, right? It's like no fighting in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> with, pee, with pee all over the ground. Man, yeah. that would make me most angry. Not like not like my not my shirt being torn or like my mess. Your eye getting here. blown out. I got pee all over my clothes. Gross. But yeah, my, my bottom three, I would go with Texas first because they're delusional. Not not they're not just like lame. They're not just a bunch of lames. They are delusional on what that program is and what it's probably going to be over the next few years. 
I don't get it. They always talk trash and they really have no reason to talk trash other than them having a football team for much longer than Oklahoma. And that's why they've still hold the rivalry lead, I suppose, in total wins. But that lead is shrinking rather quickly, despite the fact that Oklahoma has owned the conference for the last 20 years, 24 years. And so Texas is number one, of course, because they are awful. Except, you know, there's some good Texas fans and rational ones like Gerald Goodridge over at Burnt Orange Nation. I like podcasting with Gerald because he is, yeah, he's awesome. He has the same issues with Texas as we do. So I think that's cool. Um, The second fan base, I agree, Texas Tech. Those dudes suck. Like, Texas sucks because their international fan base as far as their expectations on year to year because they think their program they think it's a blue blood that is going to compete for national titles every year in which they never have they've won like three in their total history they've had really 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 special years but for the most part they're going to lose two three games a year and that's what they are they don't compete for national titles every year that's what oklahoma tries to do so i don't like texas fans because they're like that Texas Tech fans are just irrationally angry because they have to live in Lubbock. And they're just like the, I had never been around a fan base that I thought was more vile and more disgusting and like more just like stupid. They're like that friend that like drinks like 10 tequila shots before you even go out. Yes. And you're just like, oh God. They were like all belligerent and they were all terrible. And I hated every minute of it when I, when I interact with them, they suck so much. And, that's just a Norman. I can't imagine what it's like going to Lubbock and having to live there for a moment. Like the only thing that people remember about Texas tech is, is, is buddy Holly and some uh, rather unfortunate things led to the end of his life. Um, and uh, you know, plane crash with uh, you ever seen the movie La Bamba? Uh, no, but I, I think I saw we are Marshall a couple weeks ago. Mm, yeah. So, that stuff, right? Uh, so, yeah, rest in power to Buddy Holly. But, you know, I'd be angry too if I lived in Lubbock. The only thing that's going to come out of Lubbock out of the next 100 years that's good, and we'll say it's Patrick Mahomes, okay? And he'll be Hopefully dead it's Mike him. Leach's money that they owe him. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They hate Mike Leach. And a friend man, of the pod. Yeah, it, if you actual friend of the pod. He told me to call him anytime. I still have his number. Um, who's, who's a good third fan base. That's terrible. I, I kind of really agree with Baylor because they did really back Art Bryles, but I feel like that was the team. Was it the community too? Oh yeah. The whole cab shirts coming out. Uh, champions are built or coach Art Bryles. Yeah. Cause West Virginia, I like them. And I can't really think of Kansas. Nobody cares. Kansas state. Nobody cares. If it wasn't for Matt Rule, then Baylor would still be that's fair. Just getting shit on by everybody. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll go with Baylor, I suppose. Because Oklahoma State, they really don't. They're kind of just mad. They're in the middle, right? They're just kind of there. Yeah, and that's why nobody wants them in their conference. It's kind of there, but they have. They a, just kind of exist. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I saw an interesting Twitter post that who is most likely to get claim that they were fired for cancer culture did you uh cancer culture cult what is it Can- <laughs> cancel culture not cancer culture we don't like cancer we're fighting that K- 
cancel culture. Which of these coaches is most likely to be fired and say they were fired for cancel culture? And they had a pretty good list of names, but two of them were Mike Leach and Mike Gundy. And I was really undecided yeah. on which one I should vote on. Did you vote on that? I'd go Gundy. I picked Gundy. It was like one percentage point off between Gundy and Leach it was like 39% and 40%. Everybody, nobody could decide between Gundy and Leach, but everybody agrees. Those were the two ones that would be. I'd maybe. definitely go Gundy. And not yeah. that Gundy's a bad guy, but it's just oh, like, yeah. he seems not aware of uh, himself himself and the, the <laughs> political climate around him he's very not, often he just kind of does his own thing yeah that, that's fair you know and that's one of the reasons why people love mike gundy but also hate mike gundy making fart, fart noises into the mic when he says he doesn't care about twitter like that he needs to get rid of the mullet i think it's, it looks stupid but that's just me do you like he just needs to shave the sides and kind mm, of like uh that's true just go full 80s mike gundy i would i would like that better instead of him having just like long hair they should just kick. hire me. Hey, just give him some uh, shave the sides of his mullet, give him some like prism sunglasses, and call it good. I would down, I would, I would be down with that. I'd vibe with that, but instant recruiting bump. It would, I would play for that guy. I would play for that guy, but that wraps it up for me, man. Do you have anything else? Uh, join Discord, it's gone off this entire podcast. It has. I had to come into I had to go into a room and say what the F is going on and post a Snoop Dogg meme because there was a it was hippity hopping for a second. But yeah, join the Discord. But also follow us on Crimson and Cream Machine.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow us at Camerobby and CCM at OUPDSB at Steven. You know, Jack would have been on with us last night, but of course I passed out. So you can follow Jack at, at J. Larry Shields. And of course, we're on pretty much any podcast platform. If you like what you heard and if you're listening for the first time, hit the subscribe button and maybe give us a five-star review. But until next time, we will check you guys later. <laughs>